Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So, so right now, the, in the United States, the FDA has regulated that we have to label, the manufacturers have to label for the top eight allergens. Eight, eight foods cause 90% of allergic reactions. Right. Um, which are? Which are peanuts, tree nuts, dairy, eggs, wheat, soy, uh, shellfish, and fin fish. Fish fish? Fin fish. Fish with fins. No, yeah, fish fish. Fish fish, yeah. That's it? Yeah, and the ninth allergen... Is that rare? ...which is sort of creeping into that 8-90% reaction is sesame. Welcome to A Lot to Learn with Austin Rogers. For the guy who knows everything, he's still got a lot to learn. That was the voice of Erin Darcy Mallower, and she is an allergy expert. In this program, we're going to talk about food allergies. Over 12 million Americans are affected by food allergies. About 5% of infants and 3 to 4% of the adult population. That doesn't sound like a lot, but it's basically the population of Tokyo at any time can become gravely ill or even fatally so from foods and contact with foodstuffs. 30,000 hospital visits a year and 150 deaths plague America from food allergies, and these rates are rising. Erin Darcy Mallower, the founder of Allergy Strong, is going to tell us more about how to keep ourselves safe and how it's not just about your own allergies, but it's about those around you. Enjoy and learn something. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, good night. I have no idea what... Pi- <laughs> I can't even start my own podcast. Usually I would say welcome, 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 good morning, good evening. You all know what I say. I have no idea what time it is. It's a podcast. Today is super fun because I think we're going to learn a lot with Aaron Darcy Mallower, the founder of Allergy Strong and Allergy Awareness Consortium Group. She is the executive director, and we're going to talk about food allergies today. Welcome, Erin. Thank you. Full disclosure, Erin and I grew up together. Erin uh, is the older sister of literally my best friend on earth, who we shall not name. <laughs> he who shall not be named. He who shall not be named. Um, hey. Yeah. I know uh, we're, we're, it's, a, it's a deep subject, but I think we have the perfect person to make it a little bit more accessible and fun. Um, I think I have a starting point for you. All right. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I, I either read it or I saw a documentary where somewhere along the lines, roughly 20, 25 years ago, the federal government and its consortium of doctors gave bad advice. And now we have almost a lost generation of children who will have allergies for the rest of their lives based on some faulty advice over, say, a two-decade span. You are right. Um, You are right, but at the time, of course, it felt like solid, good advice. Science evolves. Absolutely. We were seeing, um, at the time, um, this rise in food allergies, this rise in peanut allergy in particular is what they were tracking, although that corresponds with a rise in overall allergies. Um, and they didn't know what to do. And so uh, when they looked at it, they thought, well, perhaps it has to do with an immune system that's too immature to process peanut allergies or peanut protein, rather. Um, and um, because, of course, food allergies are an immune system response. It's not a gastrointestinal response. It's an immune system response. So what they did was they said, why don't we delay introducing certain foods until various ages when we think it's the body can handle it better, and maybe that will keep food allergies from developing. And that was common guidance for a very long time, and frankly, common guidance through about 2017. Oh, this is that new. The the sorry, the switch in ideology yes. or the switch in the science is that new. Very new. Wow. So we we have, you know, 
five, six, three, four, seven-year-olds who will be dealing with this if if they develop an allergy, of course, right, right. for because not everyone does. Absolutely. But um, what what spurred me on that sort of uh, story was I remember. I, I, really, I really think it was a documentary. Someone looked this up for me. But it was an American pediatrician. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe he was an allergy specialist. And he was in a conference of pediatricians in either the Europe or the Middle East, but it was made up of both European and Middle Eastern doctors. And he gets up on the stage and he asks, how many of your patients have, you know, uh, whatever it was, nut, maybe pine nut allergies or nut allergies and, like, three hands went up in a conference room of a thousand and he's like what are we doing wrong when i if i ask this same question in a pediatrics conference in the united states a third of the room would have gone up that's right no that's right and and a study um conducted i feel like we're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit but a study conducted in about 2014 i might have my dates slightly wrong there but around that time frame um, were fascinating because they compared the populations of very genetically similar populations in England, where it's very much like here. Western Europe is, is a lot like the United States um, when it comes to food allergies. So a population of genetically similar children in England and those in Israel and how the how they grow up in terms of the way they're fed from infancy on mm-hmm. and their rate of developing food allergy. And they found that the kids in Israel with the same genetic composition as the kids in England had a much lower rate of allergies. So what were they doing differently? Right. You know, and so um, that's called the LEAP study, um, learning, learning. I think, about peanuts, about peanuts or something. Um, learning, 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 early, learning early about peanuts. Learning early I, I about peanuts. never remember peanuts. what the E sounds like. <laughs> learning early. early about peanuts. Learning early about peanuts. And, um, and, and that changed the guidance. That changed all the guidelines. It turns out the, the kids in Israel were being introduced to um, allergenic foods much, much earlier than those here. By And, and is that just by happenstance? By culture in just, some just ways. Be, you're going you're gonna to eat this anyway, so just eat it. Yeah, and some, some of the you know, early finger foods that we have here are um, Cheerios, things mm-hmm. like that. Um, their early finger foods is something called bamba, and it contains peanut protein. It's kind of like a, like a peanutty, che- like a cheese puff. Something very similar to that. Okay, okay. And so kids, there, it can, kind of dissolves in the baby's mouth. It's easy for, you know, first foods because they sort of just kind of mush up. And so they were getting exposure at a really young age, like in, in that four, five, six, seven month old time frame. Right. And, they, and then they weren't later on developing these allergies. So they, they it, it taught scientists something about... Um, What's going on there in the immune system? So tolerance. So, uh, so that's that's a great point that uh, allergies are immune system. The correct it's it's the the body thinks that something benign is actually dangerous. Is that correct? Is that it? Yeah, yeah. So, so let's start from the, from the beginning. What yeah. is what is a food yeah? What allergy? is a food right? allergy? Like a lot of yeah. Don't know what a food allergy is and how it differs from let's say like an intolerance. Or from something like celiac disease. Those oh, these are, are these are different things. Different things. So a food allergy is an immune system response. It's when your body um, and its antibodies, which you know are sort of like an army for your body, fight off uh, things that are benign to it, like foods. Usually, that those antibodies would fight off you know a virus or an infection or any kind of other sort of danger to your your system. Um, but these antibodies identify food proteins, and it's food proteins specifically. Um, so it's not, let's say, sugars or other parts of food. Right. Get to get down to cell science. Go back to biology. Everybody. Right. Well, because proteins have finite ends, and that's how right. they the interact. They interact with correct. other things because there's a, there's a tail end of a protein. Correct. Other things are circles. Right. So so it finds these. Proteins. Take that Niels Bohr. Yeah. <laughs> gotcha. Um, and and it attack and it attacks them, and when it attacks them, it comes in the form of um, hives, swelling. Um, respiratory problems, cardiac issues, blood pressure issues, et cetera. Everything. Everything. It really, it, what it does is it starts to shut down the body. Because it's attacking everything it indiscriminately. Completely. So, oh, so the body believes that something benign is causing it to be under full bore, hardcore disease attack. Full scale So attack. it mobilizes the army and sends it Absolutely. onto itself? 
Kind of. I mean, I think that these responses, uh, you'd have to ask a doctor to get down to the very specifics of the cell science here, but these antibodies called IgE antibodies are the ones that are kind of out there just shutting the system down so that, you know, I guess it doesn't come under further attack. That obviously has the effect of uh, potentially harming the person itself, him or herself, or um, it can cause fatalities. Right. So it does lead to, not in every case, of course, um, but a severe reaction called anaphylaxis can lead to to death, which is obviously um, super scary for anyone that has a food allergy. Right. Um, And and then, you know, you've got people who uh, blithely claim when they're selecting from a menu... (sighs) I'm allergic to chicken. No, you're not. You just don't eat chicken. Like, like, Correct. but you, there are other things. Can we call them allergen adjacent or are they just completely different biologically like celiac or like is, is shellfish an actual allergy or is that an intolerance? So, so, um, their intolerances are different, right? They are usually gastrointestinal. They have to do with your body being able to break down the food and typically the uh, food that they can't break down sugars. Right. So like when you're lactose intolerant, the O's at the end stands for a, a sugar protein. It, your body can't break down lactose, which is in milk and dairy products and it can't break those down. It makes you feel pretty terrible. Yeah. Um, usually those are gastrointestinal symptoms. Um, there are other intolerances like to gluten that makes you sensitive um, and they can manifest themselves in different ways and celiac disease is an autoimmune disease so separate from an intolerance and separate from food allergies um, it is an autoimmune disease and as a result of this disease and the gastrointestinal symptoms that it causes, people have to avoid gluten. So it being an autoimmune disease does that mean you have it? It's this is not one like allergies you might not necessarily have and are developed. Oh my god, I don't even know where to start. I know it's confusing, yeah. But, but if we stick to the food allergy part of it, um, yeah, yes, you can develop celiac disease at any point, you can also develop food allergies at any age, so you can become allergic to any food at any time at any age, right? So, um, you know, it, I always say, so this isn't just this isn't just awareness for children, right? That's what I was gonna say. This is not a child's disease, and it's not, um, oh, if you're unlucky and you're an adult that has food allergies and and I'm not, I don't have to worry about it. It's kind of an everyone's problem sort of situation. Peanuts on the airplane. And it's big, correct. Peanuts on the airplane, um, you know, stuff in the restaurant. I mean, it does affect everybody. And and it's one of those situations where it, it behooves everyone to know about it because doctors are calling it an epidemic because of the way it's increasing and rising. Right. And because of the faulty... Narrative crafted by the partly, yeah. partly, and partly because of the the way. I mean, they don't have a, a hard one reason they can tell you why these um, increases are happening. It's not only because of that um, the guidance, which again was was well thought out at the time, and and yeah. now we see that the reversal is probably more effective. But it's also you know, the food that we eat, the bread that we eat today, is not the bread that our grandparents ate. It's processed. The processing is different. Um, our level of cleanliness in terms of the way we aren't exposed to bacteria and other types of germs um, is we're much more clean today than we were. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, there's a genetic component, but that wouldn't that wouldn't account for the the rise that we're seeing. The other environmental factors. Plus, okay, so it's it's a it's a complete system. It's a complete system. It's a complete system that has been increasing the amount of allergies. Yeah. Uh, so you you can't kill a system, but you can mitigate factors of it as much as you. Yeah. Right. In, in theory. Yeah. In uh, theory. Um, now you are not working. You're not working ahead to you know stop this in the future. You're working for people who are going through this right now. That's right. And families and friends and communities that are going through it right now. We'll leave the we'll leave the hard scientists for figuring out preventative right. how to how to teach future parents how to not have this happen. But now we've got this so-called lost generation. That's right. How do we how do we these are our these are our sons and our daughters and our younger nieces and nephews. Mm-hmm. Uh, no one's quite old enough to be, you know, or are they? They are. How old when when was when was the onset of this uh, this uh, this advice? 
Uh, well, this, the, I would, I don't know when the advice started specifically, but I know, I, I want to say it was sometime in the early 90s and maybe, oh. maybe even the 80s. I'm not. So these are, could these be. are husbands and wives now too. Yes. Yeah. It's yes. not just, it's not just preteen children. This is, this is two decades of this. Right. And beyond that, what they're finding, there was a recent study that came out, um, I believe either December or January, very, very recently in the last mm-hmm. couple of months. And what they found was that one in every 10 adults, so 10% of adults, have food allergies. That's a higher number than, than the child population, than, than the, um, the younger population. In the younger population, 8% of, of kids have food allergies. That's one in 13, or, right. or, or as we say, two in every classroom. Yeah. For adults, that number is greater. So Do we not know? Some of some of us don't know. It turns out that some of us don't know the difference between an intolerance and an allergy. That's one uh-huh. thing. And, and the second thing is a lot of us just know that that food doesn't make us feel good and then we don't eat it and we don't get it diagnosed and we don't uh, carry medication and we don't know the sort of repercussions of accidental exposure. Right. I, it's, okay. Well, that's <laughs> now, oh, you just keep opening new doors. Uh, are there different, like, grades? Is there a scale of severities of allergies? Or is an allergy an allergy full stop? Doctors will tell you an allergy is an allergy full stop. Right. So what there are, though, is um, varieties of reactions. But while I say that, I, I hear a lot of people who will tell me, oh, well, you know, my child's allergic to peanuts, but, uh, but he only gets hives. Uh, doctors will tell you that, no, he only had, the last reaction was hives. Even if that's every reaction, they'll only say, no, the, you mean the last reaction was hives. The last observed reaction. Because every every reaction could be different. So the next reaction could be full-blown anaphylaxis, and the one after that could be hives again. Um, so you don't know when it's going to turn sort of critical and severe. So you're not, you're never sort of allergic. Correct. You're allergic. It's binary. It's one or zero. Yep. You're allergic or you're not. Correct. But so you're like, oh, just, I, I just get sort of allergic. Yeah, I get a red. I get a red rash. Yeah. You got a red rash now. Who knows what happens in the future? Yeah, the sense I get from doctors is that you are or you're not, mm-hmm. and you need to be prepared. And that if you have a food allergy, you need to have the tools and the knowledge to to treat your own allergy should you react. Well, that's your level of expertise. Let's get into these tools and knowledge and uh, and how to. I guess sort of boots on the ground this thing, right? Because that's what you're, that's the sphere you're working in. That's right. Um, and you're working specifically with uh, less fortunate populations and demographics who might not have the wherewithal. We're in suburban Virginia right now, so we're, we're looking at affluence right now. But right across the river, we've got some poorer populations, and they might not even know what they're dealing with. And that's where Allergy Strong comes in. Yeah, so Allergy Strong was born out of um, out of my blog, Allergy Schmallergy, which I had started just because I was already doing the research because my own son has multiple food allergies. My in-laws had food allergies. So I figured if I'm doing the research, I should share it. And as my son and I were talking, we were at a food bank, and he was looking around. We were sorting cans and, and goods that were being donated, and he looked around and he said, Mom, if I had to make a meal out of anything in here, I couldn't do it. I, I couldn't make a meal out of the stuff they're offering. And I thought, what? What happens when a family who's living paycheck to paycheck has food allergies? What what, are the, what kind of choices do they need to make? Um, and right at the time, I was sort of kind of pondering, wrestling with this question. I read a study, and it just had just come out at that time. It came out of Northwestern, and um, they calculated the cost of food allergies, and they calculated it at nearly twenty five billion dollars annually. Mm-hmm. That is the cost of food allergies. And the brunt of that cost falls on families. Right. About $20.8 billion fall on families in the form of lost job opportunities, um, both um, loss of productivity from having to take uh, time away to... Being a caregiver. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Being a caregiver. Um, also loss opportunity in terms of not being able to take jobs or not being able to take jobs that travel because you can't, don't, can't be away from your child for very long in case there's an emergency. Um, you know, perceived or real, that's, those are real considerations for a lot of people. Um, labor productivity is another one, and then out-of-pocket expenses. I mean, f- if you ever look down the gluten-free or, ne- or you know natural food aisle when they talk about free from foods, which free from foods are a generic term from foods that are free from certain allergens, right? Um, they are very expensive. Sometimes five times as much as its regular counterpart. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Why? You know, you know, different materials. I couldn't, I couldn't even tell you specifically, you know, sourcing. You have, well, part of it is also you have to make sure that the factory itself is cross-contamination free. So if you're producing something that's um, gluten-free, right. you can't also then produce on the same equipment something that has gluten. Um, it would be difficult. Right. You know, and so there's a capital investiture by the totally. food manufacturer. And yeah. if I'm going to... Yeah, I I immediately went straight for the cynical one, which is like, well, if it's if we can make it more expensive, we can. You um, maybe right. I, but that I might be again. That might be in there too. But <laughs> but yeah, there, there's some. Uh, that'll be a, that'll be an <laughs> upper. Uh, but there's some there's yeah some real practical reasons why this allergen free food would be more uh, cost prohibitive. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so you've got everyone. The entire economy is exposed to this. Yeah. So we're all in this together, even though, you know... Even, you, if, even if you think, I and, I and I also hear some sort of side comments with people who say, well, glad it's not my problem. And I don't think they're necessarily being cruel. I think they're actually necessarily being appreciative. Right. But, um, but it is. It yeah. is. Because when your child has a play date with somebody, it's suddenly your problem. Or if you find yourself dating someone with food allergy, that's really your problem. Because um, you can't eat that food either. Yeah. If you, you know... Want to kiss him at the end of the night or yeah. whatever? Um, and if you fly in an airplane, I think kissing. We all know- what is kissing? What is that? Oh, awesome. let's go back to the <laughs> basics, baby. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. Okay. If you've flown on an airplane, though, you know that it's your problem because sometimes they make announcements um, because you know peanuts and airlines go together like popcorns and movie theater. I, that was right, the thing. Movie theaters, that- right? And um, which always and now it cracks me up because we don't eat peanuts any longer in our house, and so. I do think it's kind of funny when people are like, how am I going to survive this flight? This with no, flight with, without, without peanuts. A tiny bag of 10 peanuts. I don't know how I'm going to make it. It's, but, uh, it's pretzels now. Yeah, so It's, pretzels, it's better. <laughs> it's better. But, um, but, but they do affect everyone because, uh, you know, we're, we all, we do need to keep people safe with food allergies. And we're going to be living with this. And Well, first we're going to be living with this because we've lived with it as humanity. But right. we're going to be living with this for a significant amount of time with this current generation who Absolutely. are coming, coming to uh, adulthood under food. Food allergens. So this is this is a there's a century of this gonna, that's going to be going on yeah. before maybe we restabilize to a, a lower level. And by the statistics, it seems like if it's not you that has food allergies, it's someone you know. Right, right. So. Uh, and you know, I, so when I was super young, um, I went to the Friendlies by the Mount Kisco Hospital. Oh, Friendlies was so good. The one I was born in. Yeah, behind the what was that? A grand Union is a Grand Union, right? It was a Grand Union. Yeah, it's a Grand Union. Is between between the hospital and the bowling alley. Oh, I loved. It. I used to beg my mom to take me there. They had fribbles. They yeah, fribbles. yeah, and you got to color on the the placemats. <laughs> but behind the Mount Kisco uh, Hospital was a Friendlies, mm-hmm. and it happened to be really convenient that that uh, hospital was there because I never tested it any further. But Friendlies watermelon ice cream. Freeze like what? Okay, what's the reaction where your throat closes up and your eyes close up? You're having swelling. I mean, that sounds like an allergic reaction. That that's what happened to me with Friendly's watermelon ice cream. Oh my god! So I just never went and ate yeah. Friendly's watermelon ice cream again. Oh my, but I can understand. So I wonder what was in it. I don't. I remember years later looking up the ingredients, and uh, I don't think there were ingredients. I think there were just chemicals. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> you can imagine what Friendly's watermelon ice cream tastes like. It's not real watermelon? You're and it's not real heart. ice cream either. <laughs> it's Breaking neither. Because it wasn't a sorbet. No, it was It was not. a watermelon ice cream. Uh, 
sounds weird. About it, it was. <laughs> I remembered it tasting really great sure. until my entire body swole up. That's so that yeah, I couldn't see. My eyes fused shut, yeah. and my it, I became hard of breathing. Yeah. I don't really remember what happened next. That's like an anaphylactic reaction. Right? I think my mom just drove me across the street Smart. to the hospital. Yeah, she wasn't I around. think that's what it was. I actually don't remember that part. But I remember that sensation of not being able to breathe and feeling my eyes just swell closed and my eyelids puff up to the size of my thumb. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. Easily. So that's that was, that's I a, have a food allergy. That's an anaphylactic reaction. Yeah. yeah. So that's, yeah. So, so reactions can vary widely and they can go from anything as simple as, um, some hives, some local hives. If you've been in contact with something, you can get systemic hives. That's uh, where hives cover a large portion of your body. Um, you can have swelling of the hands, the face, lips, ears, eyes, nose. Um, you can have um, respiratory reaction like you did where your throat is closing or your um, lungs are wheezing, um, coughing, having trouble breathing. You can have gastrointestinal symptoms, vomiting. And you can have blood pressure symptoms like fainting. Um, some people report a sense of like doom, like they know something bad is happening. They can't describe it. Um, Do you know what that? And it can result in cardiac arrest. That uh, that feeling of doom. That's what one hundred percent of people who are transfused the wrong type of blood feel. An impending, okay. yeah, an impending sense of dread, Ooh. doom, and death is upon you, and they can't explain why, and they start panicking, and then all of a sudden the doctors go, "Wrong blood type, wrong blood type, wrong blood type," and they have to change it out immediately. That's fascinating. Yeah. Well, what's fascinating that you brought it up because I remember reading about you know every every wrong blood type transfusion is that sense is that sense of impending doom. And like, I don't know what that feels like because I can't. Can it's you? Hard to imagine that, especially unless you, just, you feel unless you feel it impending you doom, exactly. right? Interesting. Yeah. Oh, more about that too. Yeah. So, but but yeah. clearly, there's. I mean, yeah. that's some sort of it's a immunological immunological. Immuno- immuno- yeah, immune system or neurological system attack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What what re, what's remarkable of all the things that you just listed off, all the variety of reactions, is that is the instantaneous nature of them. Yeah. The body just turns it on immediately and is like meh, 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 red alert. Yeah, it's it Defcon not, One. It does not mess around. Right? That's crazy. Because yeah. other things like your flus and your stuff like that, they 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 they, they you fall into them, right? Totally. They develop you, over time. Yeah. And you expect that of food allergies in a way. Like uh, a lot of times, you, you people will say, but I just, especially adults who who get food allergies later, will say. I, I ate this my whole life, and now I ate this this one time, uh-huh. and it flipped on me. Right. Uh, my own father-in-law has a food allergy, which he got at age 40. It's like the worst-case scenario. He got it on a transatlantic flight, eating shrimp over the Atlantic Ocean. So he's, like, right there over the Atlantic Ocean, and he's suddenly going into anaphylaxis on this flight where he's had shrimp many times before. It was not a new food to him. And, um, you know, and he survived. Um, he survived, yep, yep. But, but, but barely. Do do flight attendants do they have epipens and stuff like that? I know they've got defibrillators, but so it's kind of a contentious issue. Um, not most airlines do not have epipens on board. I believe JetBlue does. I don't think most of the other ones do. Uh-huh. Um, so There's another consideration you've got to take. Deal. I mean, of course, as a responsible parent, you should be carrying them in the first place course, or attaching if, them to your child. But what, but if, what if? What if you're like my father-in-law, or there was a young boy? Oh yeah, who recently flew from um, Central America back to the United States. Never had a food allergy diagnosis before and suddenly goes into anaphylaxis on board that plane. He didn't know, so he couldn't have carried his epinephrine. He didn't have epinephrine because he didn't know. Right. Um, And more and more people are finding themselves in those positions. Again, this is why everyone sort of needs to know a little bit about food allergies because it could be you. You I mean, don't know. It really could. Same as CPR. Correct. Why do we all know CPR? We don't know CPR for ourselves. We know CPR for our neighbor coming across a car accident or a swimming accident. That's exactly right. So we should know how to use the epipens. Yeah, just the just the basic, you know, basic use of an, you know, an epinephrine auto injector. There's four on the market right now. They all get inject, injected into the thigh, into the outer. It's called intramuscular injections, right into the outer thigh, and you hold it, and you always go to the emergency room. You always call nine one one, no matter what. If you use that, it, it's sort of simple math, and it's always good to just ask somebody if you see them kind of going through distress. Where do you keep your epinephrine? And if not, start yelling for it because someone has it. Again, right. by the numbers, by the numbers, near, someone has someone it. near you has it. I, this is this is really uh, it's really I guess touching because you're like you're you're when I when I when I when I'm when I'm like <laughs> you know we were sort of like oh uh, 
Aaron's allergic to everything family, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. It's, yeah. And, and by the way, you it's laugh totally. you laugh about it totally. too, but you at the same time you just pointed out like this isn't this isn't all of us thing. It's it's like we're all in. Yeah, we're all in. You know, you whether you, you want to be or not. Right, right. <laughs> um, but. Th- one of the common threads that has sort of uh, touched through like many episodes of this podcast that one of, one of my friends point out with is like every every interview I do ends up somehow focusing back in on community, right? And you're you're I was thinking we're going to talk about this and how to deal internally with your own family situations and how to deal with a child. You're like no 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 no. It's everyone, it's the economy, it's your neighbors, it's your friends, and you might get in a situation where you might need to know these things too. Yeah. So that's that's pretty cool, yeah. I guess. I think that's really cool. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm always focused on kind of how we can all make each other better. And I find the few times that when we all, whether it's with food allergies or through music or through uh, work or any other way that you do it, I mean, just anytime we're all in community with each other and doing stuff, I mean, I think we all leave feeling like we're better people. Yeah. I mean, you know. I, I'm, I'm feeling better about myself right, good, already. Good. And that's all that matters. <laughs> Me feeling better about myself. Uh, where were we? We got we keep getting sidetracked, but I think these yeah. sidetracks are informative. I yeah. I think they're useful. Well, well let, me, let me bring out a couple of things. We talked about reactions just now. Yes, they're um, all different. They're all different, and there's many types, and anaphylaxis is the name for a severe reaction, the one that might lead to cardiac arrest and, and, and death, and those are the ones that you kind of think about when you think of you know those big reactions happening that send you to the emergency room. Um, but every three minutes, someone goes to the emergency room with a food allergy reaction. That's how common they are. Mm-hmm. Um, 200,000 people a year in the United States alone. Um, United States, surprisingly, even though we were talking about it earlier, is not the country that has the largest number of food allergic people. Ooh. Well, do you, do you well, want to take a guess? Well. Should we play a game? Well, wait. Do you mean the largest number or the largest proportion? The, the, lar- the largest percentage. Okay, because if it's the largest number... It's China, because <laughs> that's where all the people are. It, had, it has to be. It has to be. I mean, statistically, yeah. it has it to be. It has to be there. <laughs> but uh, the largest proportionate uh, food allergy population. Oh, wow. Hmm. No, I can't, I can't even hazard a guess, because I'm taking into too many considerations. <laughs> like, I'm taking economics, I'm taking diets, I'm taking... Um, no, I give up. Australia, actually. Australia. Australia. Yeah. Yeah. They even have a higher percentage than we do. And, and I'm not exactly sure what that number is, but I know that it's more common there than it is here in both children and adults. So throwing another shrimp so, on the Barbie is potentially hazardous. Yeah, you can't even do that anymore. Wow. Poor Australia. Poor Australia. Uh, no, but, they, but they're also doing a lot of things right. For example, the, on their airlines, um, they do all have epinephrine auto-injectors. Mm-hmm. They all have them. Um, that's pretty standard, which is kind of great. That is not standard here in the United States. Yeah, well, I get if you're in the air over Australia, there is no place to land. Correct. You can't. Correct. You can't dive if you're flying Perth to Sydney. Yeah. Ye, and you're in the middle of Australia. You can't divert not the so 747 yeah. to O'Hare. Not so much. Yeah. Yeah. Not so much. But that's. But it's a good standard protocol. So there's some things that we can learn from each other and how we're handling food allergies. Right. For example. Um, some of the labeling laws is another issue. In the United States, we have certain laws that that um, dictate how foods are labeled. Yes. Particularly allergens. And this is new, too. Uh, relatively new. Yeah. yeah. In 2000, I think it was enacted in 2006. Yeah. Um, and that's that's new for us. We're old. Yeah, <laughs> so so new. I accidentally it's like yesterday. I accidentally wished Aaron a birthday off by like one year the other so day. Mad. I'm like happy ex birthday, and she's like, "What are you talking how about? Dare you? How do you?" I'm like, "How far am I off?" She's like, "That'll be next year. Thank you very much." <laughs> exactly. I'm like, "I'm off by one year. Come on, just wait. You'll understand." <laughs> uh, yeah, no. So so right now, the in the United States, the FDA is regulated that we have to label. The manufacturers have to label for the top eight allergens. Eight, eight foods cause 90% of allergic reactions. Right. Um, which that, are? Which are peanuts, tree nuts, dairy, eggs, wheat, soy, uh, shellfish, and fin fish. Fish fish? Fin fish. Fish with fins. No, yeah, fish, fish fish. Fish fish, yeah. That's it? Yeah, and the ninth allergen... Is that rare? ...which is sort of creeping into that eight, 90% reaction is sesame. Well, I've got a friend... We've got a mutual friend, one of Timmy's friends and uh-huh. my friend. Uh, he is allergic to, like, all nuts plus mm-hmm. sesame. I thought sesame was in the same allergen family. Wait a second. Okay, hold on. Um, 
each of these, each of these eight plus the eight plus one, the yes. nine, yeah. they are all individual diagnoses. Yes. So if you have multiples... You've got to balance the ingredient list with all of those things in them. So, for example, my own son, when he was first diagnosed, was diagnosed to peanuts, tree nuts, dairy, eggs, wheat, and soy, and sesame. Right. So he basically, on that list, could only have had shellfish and fish. Right. Um, and I remember the at the end of the... I hung up the phone, and I kind of... I'd never dealt with food allergies except for our friend. Um, and um, I just my mind was reeling as to what I was doing, you know, what I was going to do. And I, I looked at my husband, and I said, what are we going to feed him for dinner? Right now. Right now. Yeah, like literally like right now. in an hour, yeah. what can he eat now that we know this? Like what, how, this changes everything about how we feed Oh my him. God, I didn't even think of that. It's instantaneous it's too. Because instant. you, you got to eat. So it's like, wait, yeah. what, lunch is in 20 minutes. Yeah. What can I make? What can I eat now? Cheese sandwich. No, can't nope. make that. Oh my God. Yeah. Chicken. Nope, breading. Because he was Ch- little, right? Yeah. He was like a tiny little kid. Oh, my God. He was 15 months old. What do you feed him? I, right? Milk. Right. Nope, allergic. What? Wait, dairy's in there, too? Dairy. Oh, my God. Wait, it, was, it, was a ch- he, it was a challenge. Did you get, so- is soy in there, too? Soy's in there, too. So he can't have soy milk? Nope. What the? Yeah. Okay, it, yeah. Yeah, so, okay. so it was a major challenge immediately. Okay, yeah. Immediately. It's like literally immediately. Yeah, smacks you in the face. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a nuclear bomb dropped in the household. Totally. Like, I got to throw out my entire cupboard now. And that's exactly what I did. Yeah. I mean, I took everything out. I read like, the like, back of every ingredient like, label, and I just... I mean, I would just throw... I just donate every, everything. I would yeah. just throw everything out and just, and just have a clean house and then just build it foundationally from there. Build it back. And that's a lot. That's exactly what a lot of families do. But again... Where do you start? We're, well, yeah. And we're in affluent suburban Virginia. Right. Where do you start if you don't have the resources to throw out the three, the six to eight months of food you've accrued right. from the weekly... Sh- right. right, exactly. And now, now are you... you know, So you get this diagnosis, you know the top eight. That's my son's allergies were like six of the top eight. Yeah. And, you know, am I familiar yet with the labeling laws? No. And so, so now the law says that they have to label for those top eight, not sesame. So what it means is that they have to label directly. So if they put, let's say, cream in a product, mm-hmm. they can't label it as cream or let's say it's whey, which is another cream-based, milk-based you know, milk product. They have to label it as milk or dairy. Right. It has to say somewhere dairy. Even in dairy. parentheses, bold at the bottom, it has to say somewhere in This food plain contains language. dairy products. In plain language, right. Because there, so there's there's a lot of different um, ways to say things. But when it comes to sesame, they can call it uh, sesame, they can call it tahini, they can call it bene seed, they can call it bene oil, they can call it any number of different names. And I have to know all of them to make sure it's not in the food that he eats. Oh, my God. Um, especially, imagine, again, if you have multiple food allergens prior to this law, it was very difficult. This covered a lot of people. But if you deal with an allergen outside the top eight, we call it the top eight, um, it's, it, it is this challenge. Um, now, the other thing that you need to know about labeling laws is that the may contain statements, which if you read labels, you'll see them very frequently, and they're becoming more and more frequent, may say, may contain eggs, may contain wheat, or made in a factory. Made in a factory that also processes, processes nuts. nuts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, those are voluntary statements. They're not required. So when they have them there, it means the manufacturing is offering that information yeah. to you. When you don't have them there, it doesn't mean anything. Right. It means you have to call the manufacturer one by one and try to get them to give you more information about their manufacturing techniques, which is its own, you know, boondoggle. Yeah, because who really knows that? Yeah, your customer service doesn't often have the information. Yeah. They're, they're getting, again, over time, they've gotten they're getting better. much better. But Well, yeah, because that, that one difficult. snack is manufactured in 14 different facilities around right. the country. Right. So you're looking for a certain code on a barcode oh, or, a, you know, God. it's a whole thing. So, um, so, that, so those are challenges. Now, when you're dealing with um, an allergen outside the top eight, um, it, you can be dealing with very long lists. So right now we're helping a family that is dealing with multiple food allergies, including corn. Corn is literally everything we eat. And I mean like literally. literally. Like the yes. wax the wax on fruit. Corn. Corn. Yep. The uh the like moisture pad underneath the berries. Corn. You got it. Yep. Uh ascorbic acid. Corn. That's corn. Uh, you know, baking powder. Corn. corn. Baking starch. You know, like it just goes on sugar, salt. They, corn. Yeah. yeah, those are all corn now. It's Everything has corn. Yeah. Um, so it can be, and it, and corn is not required to be labeled as corn. So you have to know those. You have to know that xanthan gum is is corn. I mean, you xanthan to, gum is corn. Xanthan gum is corn, or mm. at least partially sometimes. Oh my God. But then when it's how do you know when it is? It's not. You gotta call. So it's uh, it's 
you know, purchasing food when you have food allergies can be um, a tremendous process and an extreme challenge. So you can imagine when, if you're, let's say, hosting someone with food allergies, how brands make such a huge difference because uh, a pretzel is not a pretzel is not a pretzel. One pretzel is safe, one pretzel is not, one pretzel is manufactured in a way that's, you know, got cross-contamination, um, and that's an issue. And, and keep in mind that one little bite, I mean, a bite the size of a period on a paper can cause a major reaction. So, you know, people are not being paranoid. Um, they're being realistic. Right. I know a lot of people think that, you know, people with food allergies are just being, you know, really paranoid and they're just very demanding and, you know, no, they're being realistic because right. it could result in them being in the hospital or or dying. I mean, and yeah. if you would be too. And, you know, when we were kids growing up, we did terrible, unspeakable things that yeah. we, well, Everyone did. No, yeah, yeah. no, but, you know, we didn't know this. No, stuff. no. This, this was not common knowledge. You, you, we'd throw peanuts <laughs> yes. at that one guy. <laughs> Just throw peanuts at him. Aww. I mean, it was funny <laughs> then, but now it's like, this is, yes. that, that's basically you like. You would never do it now. No, it's basically You're like just, shooting at him. No, you, no, yes, it yeah. is. It is. You know it better, is. You know better, you do better, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh you know who you are, Dan. <laughs> I almost said your name, Dan. You know who you are, Dan. I'm sorry. I'm sorry we threw peanuts at you. And by the way, he's like a tremendous resource for me because he works in the hospitality industry. Yes. And he is a, tr- like, I can't tell you how many times I write a piece um, or I appear somewhere and he will call me later and give me either an anecdotal story right. or some realities that I hadn't thought of. Right. Because, you know, since he's an adult and yep. grew up with this and, or, or perspective on how things have changed. I mean, he's been a humongous resource. So I, I appreciate it. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Dan. No more peanut throwing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, wait. You said something. Uh, you said something that really touched a nerve back there. Uh, corn is having everything. Oh yes, you were helping. You were helping a specific family. Yeah. I want to. I want to talk about what that. Um, what that process is and how you guys at Allergy Strong sort of like formulate a, a plan of attack. Yeah, so to date, most of the um, help that we've been trying to do has been in the form of getting um, educational resources and giving seminars to food pantries and food banks and um, related organizations. Ah, so at least that way you can cover the most ground of good as possible by dealing with people who help the the less fortunate yes. all simultaneously. And doing it very quickly. Yes. You know, it's like easy to get the word out, easy to, for yeah. them to download resources, yep. easy for them to pass on resources if need yep. be. Um, we talk to um, organizations that offer free lunch programs or summer lunch programs for children. Um, so we, we do a lot of that kind of outreach. Um, I had uh, this case come to me, um, and they are within our local area. And, and so we are just, you know, it, it's a mother and two ch- children, and right. I would never say no to that. Right. So um, we've been so lucky because, um, you know, my readers and, and the people that follow this kind of stuff have reached out and through an Amazon food drive have been donating very brand specific. I did all the research on what would be corn free and they've been donating um, goods and we're going to support them for, um, for the, the duration of this transition that they're under. Right. While they figure out what their, their new regimen is going yeah, to be. Yeah, what their new reality is. Yeah. And they are in a transition period and being helped by other organizations that are following their case, you know, very closely. And so we're f- providing the food piece and trying to eliminate the stress of, having to worry about buying $15 milk or, uh, you know, $20 bread. Right, you know? right. Um, the, I, like the, I like the approach of um, educating, uh, you know, community outreach and pantry and shelter systems. So when someone new comes into the system, they've already been briefed on it, so it's not, it's not an unknown for them. And that, that really, it maximizes the, the, the effect of helping in a very quick and and tangible way. Yeah, and it allows uh, food pantries, food banks, and shelters to be prepared for um, guests with food allergies. When right. people come in, it allows them to have maybe already had a gluten-free food drive or carry some dairy-free milk. It allows them to know that in a shelter, they're going to need access to a refrigerator because they need their own products 
on hand, they can't eat from, let's say, a buffet line or that that's not safe in terms of cross-contamination and probably not even in terms of the meal itself. Right. Um, so they need access to a hot plate and a microwave, a, a refrigerator or something similar. So they, so it gives them some pr- time to prepare for that sort of eventuality. And to retain a large stock or at least an ample stock of shelf-stable break glass in case of emergency. Yeah, right. yeah oh, we've got someone, okay, it's not going to be the best meal, but at least we know it's going it to be nutritious going. and, yeah. It gets you going. Yeah. That's exactly right. That's really, that's really cool. And um, uh, now I recently heard from um, a little fly on the wall that your your impact and your visibility is gaining a little bit with, uh, you've got a new project you're working on. I do have a new project. Tell us about All it. All right. Uh, so Erin's um, not one to toot her own trumpet. No, so but she's, she's, she's yeah. Yeah, we're gonna do well, it. you're gonna no. do it now, baby. <laughs> All right, I'm in. Uh, um, no, so I'm producing a, a video series with um, Comcast, and what we're doing is um, producing an educational series for patients and caregivers, but truly for everyone who's interested in learning a little bit more about food allergies. There's something to be gained, and a lot of really interesting stories in there. Um, it's a I don't know thirty something segment series um, on. Uh, food allergies and it's a 360 degree view so it's not just it goes from everything on the medical side what is a food allergy what is epinephrine how do you carry an auto injector what happens when you call 911 it also touches on um, some of the psychosocial pieces like um Anxiety. Anxiety is a big part of having food allergies, unfortunately. It's like walking around like thinking a piano is going to fall on your head all, all the, the time. time. Right. So managing anxiety. And not uh, like one of those cool, funny pianos where the birds fly around <laughs> you, but I like wish. a swell up and everything piano. Totally. No, yeah. totally. So it's, it's, it's the anxiety piece. It's bullying. It's um, uh, self-advocacy empowerment, so it's some of the psychosocial pieces, this, how to deal with the stigmas of, oh. of having food allergies or being a caregiver, because there's a lot of stigmas, and you hear a lot of sort of snarly side comments about a variety of things that, um, that can be very hurtful. Um, it's also how to deal with it kind of out in the world, dining, dating, school, college. Um, it's not just elementary school. It's, you know, getting into college, getting into the workforce, flying, um, and um, and we have some really, really cool and amazing experts who are contributing. I'm so thankful for their expertise because they are people that I kind of revere in my own life and their reference material, you know, for me. Right. Um, and to sit with them was like amazing to hear what, what's going on. Well, it's also pretty cool because it, you're, it, I don't know if by design or not, but you're creating a one-stop shop. I was like, hoping... You're creating a, you're creating a wiki for... Allergies and allergens. I'm trying. I'm trying to make it so that, you know, because it's just not a um, a paper diagnosis. You know, it's not just a you have food allergies. You take this medicine, you're good. It yeah. really it changes everything about your life and about the way you you approach not just food, but social gatherings and, and a whole bunch of other stuff. And it it does change you. I mean, it really. It really does, and so um, and it has to. It right. has to. Um, so so I, I, I aimed to address all of that. Um, so that someone who's coming new into the system can gain some knowledge. Someone who's been there for a while, who's had food allergies for a while, has something to gain from it. Someone who's in a transition with it, you know, moving schools or um, switching jobs or dating for the first time or dating someone new, um, has a piece to gain, you know, in this in this series. So, so that's what we've been doing. It's been really exciting, and I, I like I said, I've I've learned a lot. I, I I as much interview someone as I do scribble notes for my own edification. Like right, I'm just right. I'm so fascinated by what everyone's saying. Right. Um, where are some uh, Where are some good? What's the name of this project, by the way? We are naming it as we speak, so Got we'll it. update you with some and we'll... Got it. And you know what we'll do? We'll coincide the launch of this podcast with the launch of that project. Oh, that'd be great. We'll have it go at the same time. Perfect. So you're listening to this, well, we don't know yet. In the spring the near 2019. In the spring. In the near future, you're listening yeah. to this. Well, the near yeah, future is, for us, but it's now for you, which is then for after your... Wait. All right. Got confused there. Um, well, well, also, in addition to this amazing thing, which we'll have the link on the Twitter and the link on the sure, Facebooks and the Instagrams, um, where can everyone follow you, Erin? Or so, uh, follow Allergy Strong and Allergy Schmallergy. Yeah, so I'm, um, I have a blog, which is um, schmallergy.wordpress.com. I, allergystrong.org um, is our website. Um, so I'm on Twitter with at Schmallergy and Facebook, you know, Allergy Schmallergy. You can find me there, too. It's awesome. Instagram everywhere, yeah. Instagram. Yeah. What do you What do you Instagram? 
lot of food. A lot of food. A lot of food. Oh, like super healthy and meals that you can make for that are allergy free and stuff like that. Sometimes meals, sometimes just awesome stuff. Sometimes just products that I happen to run across. Sometimes I'm really excited about. Like, I get really nerdy about. Oh, like you see products. Like yeah, you like, see something, and you're like, oh my god, this is this that's awesome. This checked all the boxes. Or like we recently were in New York, and uh, my son hasn't had a safe donut in like what feels like a hundred years. He used to love Krispy Kreme, and then Krispy Kreme started making a Nutella donut, and it blew the whole line. So now they now nothing's safe at Krispy Kreme. And so we went to this donut shop in New York City called the Donut Pub. And we were <laughs> so excited that we bought like uh, three dozen donuts. And so um, <laughs> I had to, of course, Instagram that whole experience from right. top to bottom. I was like taking pictures all over the place. And I actually looked at the woman who was waiting on us, getting us like our 36,000 donuts. And um, I said, does every food allergy family do this? And she's like, yep. Yep. Everyone. <laughs> I was like, hey, that's so funny. Hey, that's so actually, excited. that's... That's an, that's a point actually we didn't even talk about, uh, which is the brands who embrace this. You've got a built-in, if you get a built-in loyalty, Jesus. Yeah, I mean, I think if you do it right, yeah. and there are some brands that are really doing it right. They label correctly. They add extra, voluntarily add extra information right. for us to interpret. Um, yeah, you've got loyal following. Yeah. And, and, it, and the key thing, I think, in, in kind of all areas when it comes to food allergies is... Um, just giving people guidelines. You don't have to cater to everyone. You can't possibly cater to everyone's allergies. That's just an impossibility. Right. But to give us guidelines in schools, on airplanes, clear policies, clear guidelines on on what you expect or what you, what you're willing to provide gives us a chance to work around things. When we don't have clear guidelines, it becomes really difficult. So um, so brands that, for example, offer more information, that's a guideline. Right. Um, it allows me to make a decision about whether that could be safe for our family or not. Right. So the more the better. Yeah, and I think that's ultimately what you're working at, Aaron, getting the most information out there, excuse me, as possible. And um, hopefully this new uh, Comcast project will do it concisely and at least in a, in, a, in a more accessible manner for the most possible people to get the best possible good out of it uh, by you having done the legwork for them. That's because that's, that's awesome. So you're really doing good. Everyone, please go to allergystrong.org and smallergy.wordpress.com and smallergy at Twitter and smallergy on Instagram and and look forward to seeing this awesome, awesome, awesome project. And uh, my mind is blown and I'm never going to look at this subject ever again in the same way. Aaron Darcy Mallower, thank you so much. Thanks, Austin. Bye. Bye. This has been A Lot to Learn with Austin Rogers, which is produced by me, Austin Rogers, alongside Maria Gibson and Limitless Media. If you like what you're hearing, follow us on patreon.com slash Austin Rogers and give us a donation because this is not free. Takes a lot of time and effort to make one of these. Follow me on Twitter at Austin Tylero, Instagram at Agra27. And if you have any suggestions on what you want to hear in future episodes, tweet at me or send me a direct message or whatever it is the kids do today. Everyone have a lovely December? Sure, December. Why not? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.